0: Hello and welcome to another birthday special from the PodFic Pals. Today's special is all about Mia, who is known as We Are the Same with underscores between each word on AO3, and So Why Let Your Voice Be Tamed with Dashes Between Each Word on Tumblr? We will have three fics for you today, including one from a very special guest. Evie will read Baby, I'll never leave if you keep holding me this way. I, Emu, will read Floating in a Most Peculiar Way. And our very special guest, Seuss, also known as Lulu Lawrence on AO3 and Tumblr, will read Darling Just Dive right in.
1: Hi, I'm Evie, and today I'm going to be reading Baby I'll Never Leave If You Keep Holding Me This Way by We Are The Same. This was written for the 1D Cliché Fig Fest, and some of the tags include Alternate Universe Modern Setting, Baker Harry Styles, Teacher Louis Tomlinson, Strangers to Lovers, Accidental Kidnapping, Lockdown Freeform, COVID-19, Fluff, Smut, Accidental Breaking and Entering, and Baking. The summary reads, His fingers curl around, the first thing he can find that would be suitable as a weapon. An umbrella that has a rather impressive-looking metal pin at the end. He holds it in front of him the way he imagines people hold a sword, tiptoeing through his living room, until he can find whoever's in his kitchen. He briefly considers calling 999, figures that if someone's trying to burgle him, he should probably not be a hero and actually rely on professionals to arrest him. But he's never been the type to sit back and wait, and... Is that singing? It is singing. Whoever is trying to rob him is in his kitchen, singing an 80s pop song under their breath. And they made cookies? The sink is almost overflowing with dishes. Louis balances his empty bowl of cereal carefully on top of the stacked dishes, letting out a quiet sigh of relief when it doesn't topple over though he makes sure to back away slowly, afraid that just a ripple of air will be enough to force the dirty plates and bowls into an avalanche. It's the last thing he needs right now, when he's already late for work. It's Monday. Louis is never great with time management, but even worse than a Monday. And the stupid thing is, he doesn't even have a busy weekend to blame for it. He hadn't necessarily gone to bed too late, though he had slept in until noon both days off, or spent most of his time out of his apartment. He never does these days. It's safe to say that he's not in the best place in his life, but he thinks he's allowed, considering he just got dumped. Well, four months ago. But really, what is four months compared to the entirety of human life? Louis feels justified in ignoring the mess in his apartment, and claiming he's busy when he really just doesn't seem to have the coping skills to actually clean. It's easier to spend his afternoon on the couch watching footy than it is to tidy up, do laundry, do the dishes, vacuum, mop, because the whole of it is so daunting that Louis doesn't really know where to start. It's always a problem for future Louis, for tomorrow Louis, for I'll do this on the weekend Louis. The funny thing is, he's the complete opposite in his professional life. Granted, he works with young kids, but he runs a tight ship in his classroom Kids will be kids and all that, but at the end of the day, the toys are cleared away and the tables and chairs are all wiped down. Because Louis loves kids, but there's somehow always a sticky menace and Louis would like to be able to place his hands on any available surface and not have to wonder what on earth he's getting on his hands. And anyone looking in would think that Louis is the kind of person who has his life together. He used to, before, when people were actually coming over to his place because he might be a slob, but he's not immune to what people think of him. He at least made an effort to do more than the laundry on the few items he wears for work. But things have been different ever since COVID struck. His family is not able to visit as much, and most of his friends are not coming over since he works with kids and might put people at risk. He understands it. He appreciates it, too, because the last thing he wants is to somehow be responsible for someone else getting sick. But between the lack of social interaction, that isn't with four-year-old kids, and his recent breakup, and it's not like he can easily go out and meet someone if he were ready to do so, it's been easy to let his already messy lifestyle get worse. To willfully close his eyes to the mess, even when his apartment stops feeling like home and starts feeling like another thing that stresses him out. The one thing he does take good care of, to the point of obsession, perhaps, is his motorbike. It's part of the reason why he's so glad to live where he does, with a garage that leads straight into his apartment. The motorbike was an impulsive purchase, bought before he'd even gotten his license, but something about them has always appealed to him. It's more than the leather jackets and the powerful machine between his legs. It's the feeling of freedom when the wind whips at his clothes and the way he can move through traffic even when the cars are stuck, which is a great thing on Monday mornings when he's late for work. There's a small handprint on his favorite jeans that Louis shouldn't be so sour over, because kids are kids, and he can't really fault them for grabbing his legs when they're in need of attention. He tries to teach them to use their words, but some are so excited that they momentarily forget how to express themselves in a proper way. And they'd been painting today, so it was an unfortunate consequence. And there's paint in his hair, and Louis has been looking forward to a shower all afternoon. He parks his motorbike in the garage, not even waiting for the automatic door to close as he moves towards the hallway, his mind occupied with what he'll order for dinner once he gets out of the shower. He's kicked off his shoes and put away his jacket before the sensations catch up with him. It's the faint smell of cookies, the kind of distinct smell that lingers long after the cookies have come from the oven. It's a smell that Louis has been familiar with growing up because he's got a lot of sisters that enjoy baking, and his mum always loved to collect all her children around her for an afternoon cuppa and some homemade biscuits. Then he hears noises in his kitchen, the distinct sounds of someone shuffling around, and that is too familiar for a moment, until his brain catches up with him, and he realizes that there's no way there's someone in his apartment. There's not supposed to be, because his friends no longer come over uninvited. They do still hang out, it's not like... Louis has become a social pariah in the last year, but it's strictly outside and social-distanced, and his axe no longer has a key to his place. His fingers curl around the first thing he can find that would be suitable as a weapon, an umbrella that has a rather impressive-looking metal pin at the end. He holds it in front of him the way he imagines people hold a sword, tiptoeing through his living room, until he can find whoever is in his kitchen. He briefly considers calling 999, figures that if someone is trying to burgle him, he should probably not be a hero and actually rely on the professionals to arrest them. But he's never been the type to sit back and wait, and... Is that singing? It is singing. Whoever's trying to rob him is in his kitchen, singing an 80s pop song under their breath. And they made cookies? Louis tightens his hold on the umbrella as he steps into view narrowing his eyes and trying to make himself taller than his honest 5A. The person in his kitchen, because there is a person in his kitchen, and Louis thinks he should probably be scared now, has an apron tied around his waist and a tray of cookies in his hands, and the whole situation is so bizarre that for a moment Louis can only stand there and stare. The person hasn't noticed him yet, and Louis watches as he delicately places the cookies onto a cooling rack, long fingers meticulous in the way they arrange the biscuits. They smell delectable, and Louis's stomach gives an impatient growl. A too-loud growl, apparently, because the person in his kitchen jumps and whirls around, and Louis only belatedly remembers to hold up the umbrella. Some of the cookies tumble off the tray that the intruder had been holding, and Louis absently watches them smash into the ground, his stomach clenching at the thought of having yet another thing to clean up. But he's distracted from that soon enough by the man taking a step towards him. Oh, thank God, he says, stopping when Louis angles the umbrella in his direction, the tip of it almost close enough to touch the man's chest. You're home. I am, Louis frowns, shifting the umbrella to his other hand to run a hand through his hair, pushing his fringe out of his eyes. His fingers snag on clumps of half-dried paint, and he remembers how he'd planned to take a shower and order some food. You're not, his eyes narrow. Who the fuck are you, and what are you doing in my apartment? He glances towards the plate, besides baking cookies, which, no offense, mate, but that's a weird fucking thing to do when you're trying to burgle someone. The man makes a small noise, shifts a bit to put the tray onto the counter, though he doesn't quite lose sight of Louis, like he's the one that's trespassing in the danger. I'm not trying to rob you, he says, And he sounds so sensible that Louis almost wants to believe him. I, um, got locked in your apartment this morning. He makes a face, and Louis almost cringes in sympathy. He catches himself, though, and just frowns deeper. I think I'd have noticed if someone was in my house when I left. The man, to his credit, looks a little bit embarrassed. He's also possibly wearing a pair of Louis sweats, They're a bit loose around his waist, but too short on the ankles. Louis refuses to be endeared. Your, um, garbage door? He supplies sheepishly. I was walking past. I was on a jog, actually. I go for a jog most mornings. Keep fit, you know? And you left your apartment. Cool motorbike, by the way. I love motorbikes. And I guess I wasn't paying as much attention as I should have or at least not to the right things. He bites his lip, and Louis wonders if there's an implication in his words or if the man is just rambling, trying to set him at ease before he, like, murders him or something. He grabs onto the umbrella a bit tighter. So the garbage door closed, and I couldn't dodge out, and so I was kind of locked into your garage, and I didn't have my phone on me, so I couldn't exactly call someone to come and get me out. The way he speaks is almost fascinating, because even when he's rambling, he's speaking slowly, the way Louis does to the young kids in his class. It'd frustrate him, but somehow when the stranger that's speaking has bright green eyes and beautiful chocolate curls, Louis can't help but want to listen to him speak forever. He really has been going through a dry spell if he's attracted to the person that might or might not be burgling his house and possibly murdering him. So you just decided to go into my apartment? It's an unlikely story, but it's just crazy enough to be true. The man bites his lip again. I wasn't going to, but then I thought maybe I could get out of your front door, except your door's one of those that locks with an actual key and not just... Anyway, you know that, obviously, living here. (sighs) He sighs. Besides... It was cold in the garage, and I was all sweaty from my jog, so when I tried the door to your apartment and it opened, I just... He looks even more sheepish now. I was all sweaty, he repeats, like Louis is supposed to just understand, and the stupid thing is, he thinks he kind of does. I thought I'm going to be stuck here for the next however long, because I wasn't sure if you were going to come back soon or if you were at work... And I didn't want to sit down on your couch when I was covered in sweat, so I thought, You took a shower. It's almost the thing that's made the most sense about today. I took a shower, the stranger confirms. And then I felt bad about using your towel, so I figured I'd wash it. But then when I found your washing machine, I saw that there was still a load in there, so I hung that up for you so I could wash my towel. Except then I found that you had more laundry sitting in a basket, and I thought, Louis blinks. You did my laundry for me. The stranger smiles reluctantly. I know I overstepped, like, a million boundaries, but you really shouldn't let your laundry sit in a washer when it's still wet. It'll start to smell. That's what my mum says anyway. So I thought maybe you were in a rush this morning, and it wasn't like I had anything to do, and I couldn't, like, go through all your belongings because that would be creepy. Louis lowers the umbrella. Somehow he doesn't think that someone who looks that sheepish and guilty over doing his washing is going to murder him. He might be wrong, but he thinks he might be all right. Right, he says, because nothing about this situation is creepy. But he can't help the smile in his voice, and the stranger looks a little less sheepish. Okay, so that... I mean, it still doesn't explain half of what I walked in on, but before we get to the cookies, what's your name? He figures he's kind of allowed to know that, now that the man has had his hands all over his clothes. The man looks a little shy. Harry, he says, his voice barely more than a whisper. And Louis isn't sure why that is, until he glances up at him. You're Louis. I, uh, saw your mail come in. I put it on the coffee table. He fidgets a bit, almost as though he wants to turn back around and finish pouring the rest of the cookies on the cooling rack. Louis' stomach gives another impatient growl. Harry. All right. Louis chances a step towards him, feels almost amused when Harry makes space for him, careful to keep his distance. He's not sure if he's doing it to be polite, appear as less of a danger, maybe, by choosing not to invade his space, or if he's mindful of the social distancing rules. But he appreciates it, makes quick work of heading towards the fridge and pulling out a soda. After a moment's hesitance, he takes out a second one and holds it out to Harry. Did you drink anything? Eat anything? He glances at the cookies. Why did you end up baking cookies? Harry accepts the soda with a grateful smile, and for a moment Louis is captivated, watching his Adam's apple bob when he swallows, his throat a long, graceful line that part of him wants to press his lips to and sink his teeth into. He opens up his can instead, drinks deeply, until the carbonation is almost too much in his mouth. He can't stop watching Harry, though, the way he brushes the back of his hand against his lips and the way he messes with his hair before ducking his head. I felt bad for, like, breaking and entering, even though I didn't mean to, and even though I didn't technically break, so I kind of wanted to thank you for your unintended hospitality, he gives a shrug. Plus, I was bored. Louis swallows another sip of his drink. I didn't know I had all the ingredients, he says, because he's not sure what to say and it's the first thing that comes to mind. Harry bites his lip. I had to get a bit creative, he admits. For some reason, he brightens up at that. But that's all right. I used to be a baker, so it was a nice challenge. I did feel bad about making a mess, though, so once I put the cookies in the oven, I made sure to clean up. Louis' eyes flicker to the sink, the sink that was stacked with dishes only this morning, that had been on his mind all day because he'd known that he needed to at least start washing them after work tonight. There's a large lump in his throat when he finds it empty. He washed the dishes, he says, his voice trembles just slightly. Harry's smile fades, his eyebrows knitting together. I'm sorry, he tells him, and it's so soft and so sincere that for a moment Louis wants to wrap him up in a hug. Because there's a beautiful man in his kitchen who did his laundry and baked him cookies, and it's everything that Louis could possibly have asked for. And maybe Harry isn't a burglar, but an actual angel. "'No,' he says, and he hates how his voice cracks, but he's tired. I just... I've been meaning to do it, but I haven't. I mean, I just... it it hasn't been great, lately.' He brushes a hand past his eyes to get rid of any moisture that might betray just how much this is affecting him. Honestly, this whole thing, fucking weird, yeah, but also it's such a relief not to have that looming over me anymore. The thought of actually having a relaxing evening where he doesn't have to worry about the laundry or the amount of dishes in the sink. It's hard to wrap his head around. I mean, I would have gotten to it eventually, it's just... Once it piles up, it's it's a lot, you know, and you feel bad about it and you know that you'd feel better if you just did it, but it's paralyzing. Harry finishes quietly and Louis nods. It really is, and I felt like so shit about it because I've got no one to blame except myself, but it's just been hard lately. He finishes his soda, chucks the can in the bin. This past year, it's just been... Yeah, Harry nods tries to throw his own can in the bin, but misses, and Louis shouldn't feel so endeared by the way he frowns, looks petulant as he bends down to pick up the can and deposit it in the trash. It's why I go for runs in the morning. Kind of makes me feel as though I've been productive. He straightens out his spine and looks at Louis, a little helpless. I, uh, should probably go, not at your home. Louis frowns. Don't you want to take home some of your cookies? He asks, because he's reluctant to let Harry go, and he's not sure why. Isn't sure if that feeling in the pit of his stomach is just because this whole ordeal knocked him kind of off-kilter or if it's something more. Harry pauses. "'Oh,' he says softly, glancing back towards the tree. "'No, that's... they're not done cooling yet, so... and I made them for you?' He sounds hesitant enough, as though part of him knows what Louis is really asking when Louis isn't even sure what it is that he's trying to say. Except, "'It's a whole tray of cookies. "'I don't think I could eat a whole tray of cookies.' He gives him a small smile. "'Or should. "'I'm already struggling to fit in my jeans these days.' He wants to say more, but Harry's eyes are on him, and Louis can practically feel them sliding down his body, mapping out his curves. It's almost enough to make him shiver. "'Okay.' It's quiet and a little breathy, or maybe that's just Louis's imagination. I could take some with me, I guess. Though I'd say you have nothing to worry about. But um I wouldn't want to be creepy, so probably wouldn't say that. He pauses. Except that I already have. Louis can't help but laugh a bit at that. Are you always this charming curly? he asks, and Harry's eyes light up a little bit at the nickname. They're a beautiful green with little flecks and now that he's smiling, there's a start of a dimple in his cheeks. He's truly lovely, and Louis is reasonably sure this isn't just his dry spell speaking. He's also reasonably sure that Harry isn't put off by what he's seen in return. Even if there's still paint in his hair and on his jeans, even if Louis wasn't lying when he said he'd put on a few pants during this whole lockdown situation, Harry seems unsure on how to answer the question, so he just shifts his weight from one foot to the other, biting his lip instead. His face then brightens up a little bit, and he gestures towards Louis' fridge. Oh, before I forget, I made you dinner. He looks sheepish again, fidgets a little more. I, um, had a feeling that you weren't in the best place, mentally, so after I tidied up and before I made the cookies, I thought I'd cook you something that you'd only need to put in the oven once you get home. Louis blinks. You. He knows he keeps repeating everything that Harry's told him, but it just keeps piling on. He's not only done his laundry, his dishes, made him cookies, but he's also tidied up. Louis doesn't even want to think of the mess he'd walked in on. The way he must have looked when he'd noticed the pizza boxes stacked under the table in the kitchen and made him dinner. I feel as though as I'm about to hear I'm on a TV show. Are there hidden cameras anywhere? Did my friends put you up to this? Harry cocks his head. Is that the type of thing your friends would do? It is, and it isn't. His friends would never want to embarrass him, and they don't really know just how bad the state of his apartment's been. But they definitely would care enough to want to help him. And Louis likes to think he would have asked for help if the thought of having people in his apartment didn't freak him out. It's not just that he wouldn't want people to see just how much he's made a mess of things. It's that he's been on his own for so long that the idea of people in his personal space feels kind of unsettling. It's weird how that isn't the case with Harry, but it helps that he's respectful, keeps his distance to the mandatory two meters. No, he says eventually. It's just hard to wrap my head around all this, the fact that you did all this. You've no idea how much it's helped me. He looks up at him at the way Harry just looks soft and understanding. Fuck, and I probably made you miss work, he winces. I'm so sorry. Harry shrugs a shoulder. To be fair, this is kind of a weird thing to happen. I wouldn't have believed it if you'd told me. He bites his lip again, and Louis wonders how he's not bitten through it yet, or at least caused a sore spot with the amount of times he's bitten it in the past half hour. And, um... You don't have to worry about making me miss work. He pushes his hair away from his forehead, and Louis absently notes that he's wearing rings. I'm kind of between jobs right now. Louis sympathizes. Covid's been a bitch on a lot of people, he says, because he knows how lucky he is to have been able to keep his job. Even if it puts him at risk every day, it's still a relief to know that he's got a steady income. I work with kids, so I'm alright, but a lot of people are struggling. Harry nods, but doesn't say much, and Louis wonders if he's feeling embarrassed about it. He almost steps closer, but then he is a risk, and he isn't sure who Harry lives with and whether or not he'd appreciate people getting in his personal space. But the urge is there, to comfort him, make him feel less embarrassed about not being able to work. It'll get better, though. I know that sounds like a dumb line, but it will. Are you... do you still work as a baker? Or did, I guess. Because I haven't tasted them yet, but those cookies smell absolutely divine. I'm pretty sure that once things get back to normal, you'll get a new job in no time. This time, when Harry smiles, it doesn't quite reach his eyes. Yeah, he says absently, but he glances away from Louis. I mean, sure. He tries to keep his voice light, but Louie can tell he's not convinced. He doesn't know why that makes him feel so worried. Harry, he prompts, and to his surprise, Harry's bottom lip starts to tremble. Louis is used to seeing that happen with kids, always knows that he needs to diffuse the situation fast before his kids end up throwing a tantrum. Hey. He gentles his voice, takes a step towards the living room. Come on, sit down. Talk to me. He knows he has no right and that he doesn't know Harry at all, but Harry seems so relieved and follows him on shaky legs. Louis waits until he's sunk down on the couch, perches himself on a coffee table not quite a full two meters away, but far enough away so that he can offer comfort without invading Harry's personal space. "'What's wrong, love?' he asks, and Harry's shoulders shake at those words as he presses his hands to his eyes. "'I've been trying,' he whispers, and the tears are audible in his voice even though he tries to swallow them down. "'It's all I've been doing for months, "'sending out my CV, trying to get a foot in the door, "'but no one will hire me because—' "'He swallows and his voice grows hushed, ashamed as he continues. "'Cause I'm homeless. "'It takes a moment for Louis to fully process the words.' He just sits there, hands idle, because in any other circumstance he'd be reaching out, comforting him. there are all these rules now, and he wouldn't care when someone needs him, but he doesn't want to put them at risk, but fuck. Harry, he starts, but he's not sure where to go from there. Harry just lets out a soft sniff, brushes the back of his hand past his nose. I'm sorry, he whispers. I don't, it's just today's been so nice. I knew that it would end, obviously, but just having a roof over my head for a few hours, knowing that I could shower and use the toilet whenever I wanted, not having to keep a constant eye on the weather. I mean, I have a car, I'm not, I have some shelter, obviously, but ever since the second lockdown with gyms and cafes closed, it's just... He inhales shakily. It's been so nice to just not have to worry for a little bit. Louis swallows down the lump in his throat. It's only now he realizes all the things he'd taken for granted, even in his slump. The ability to do laundry, having access to clean clothes and food, shelter. Aren't Don't you have people you could stay with? He asks tentatively, hoping that the question won't upset Harry. Harry shakes his head. No, he sighs. I mean, I did for a bit, but the friend I was staying with, her husband contracted COVID, and he's... it's been tough on them, and I obviously didn't have any income, so I couldn't help out, and I just didn't want to be a burden on them, you know? He glances up as though to check if Louis understands his reasoning, but before Louis can nod, his eyes skitter away. So then I thought I could go up north, stay with my mum, but... He makes a sound, something so wounded that Louis reaches out despite himself, though he only squeezes Harry's shoulder. It's enough to make Harry shudder. And Louis almost wants to withdraw when Harry looks up at him again, eyes wet with tears. "'That's the first time in three months that anyone's touched me,' he whispers. And he sounds so upset about that but there's also something akin to wonder in his voice. Like he'd forgotten just how long it's been and how special it was to feel someone's touch these days. Louis makes sure to leave his hand on his shoulder. He likes to think that Harry's voice comes out a little more stable when he continues. I was naive, he whispers, and a self-deprecation is stare, but Louis decides to let it slide. I figured... I didn't want to leave London because I thought I'd have more of a chance here, and, like, I guess I didn't want to admit how bad it's gotten. I try telling myself that it was an adventure, a choice, to live in my car, but it's not, and I should go home, but at this point it's almost as though going back is admitting defeat and letting everyone down. Louis hums. Kind of like how admitting that I needed help and that my apartment was a fucking mess felt like admitting defeat, he says softly, and Harry looks up at him again, relief warring with something that Louis is relieved to see isn't pity. Hey, he continues, why don't you stay here? It's clearly not something Harry expected to hear, and Louis can't blame him for that when it's not something he'd expected himself to say. But he doesn't take it back, because, well... He has a spare bedroom. He has a place for Harry to stay. I can't, Harry says immediately, though there's a small frown on his face as though he has to struggle to come up with a reason as to why he can't. Louis knows that can't be true, though, because there are plenty of reasons why he shouldn't offer this to him. The fact that he doesn't even know him is the main reason. He has no idea who Harry is as a person, whether they'd even get along. He doesn't know if he can trust him or if he'll wake up to find out Harry's made off with his credit card. He doesn't even know if any part of his story is true. But Louis likes to believe in the good in people. And there's something about Harry that makes him feel as though he deserves to have someone take a chance on him. Isn't that what everyone needs, especially these days? The chance to start over, do better? A safe space to calm down and recharge? I mean it, he says quietly, once Harry doesn't give a word to all the doubts that are in Louis's head. He's relieved to find that he means it. This whole pandemic is hard enough. You shouldn't have to worry about where your next meal's going to come from, or whether or not you can take a shower and wash your hair. He gives him a gentle smile. Look, I'm not going to lie. I work with kids. I might be a risk to you but even if we have to work around each other and make sure that we're cleaning every surface... I get tested regularly, by the way, if that's any reassurance. It beats being out on the streets or sleeping in your car. No one should have to live like that, pandemic or not. Harry's bottom lip wobbles, and he sheepishly brushes the back of his hand against his eyes, like he's embarrassed to be caught crying. Louis just gives his shoulder another gentle squeeze reveling in the feeling of muscles shifting beneath his touch. He's not starved for touch the way that Harry might be, because there's kids literally launching themselves at him every day. But it's different touching someone that's his age and size, someone that makes him feel like he's breaking the rules. He can't wait for a time when it doesn't feel like that anymore, when he can hug people and be around them without feeling so goddamn vigilant all the time. You don't even know me. Harry whispers, but there's barely any fight in his voice and Louis can only think of how incredibly tired he must be that he's actually contemplating this. I don't, Louis acknowledges, but I know that when you were locked inside a stranger's house you decided to do laundry, tidy up, bake cookies. Call me naive, but I like to think that means something. I like to think that tells me a bit about what kind of person you are. A weirdo? Harry whispers, but there's a hint of a smile in his voice and a start of one on his face, and Louis returns it eagerly. Maybe, he allows. He's glad when that makes Harry's smile grow a little bit. But also, generally, quite a good person, I'd say. Besides, being normal is boring. Harry looks at him. I might wake up in the middle of the night to bake something, he warns. Louis shrugs a shoulder in response, and Harry narrows his eyes as though he's taking that as a challenge. I might put on 80s pop songs and dance around the living room belting out the lyrics into a spatula. Louis shrugs again. Chances are I'll join you. He loves a good karaoke session, and with the bars closed, it's been too long since he's just let loose and enjoyed himself like that. I can't pick a Netflix show to save my life. Louis arches an eyebrow. Is that the best you can come up with? He teases, and Harry looks a little sheepish. Harry, none of that matters, I promise. The only thing that I care about is whether or not you want to stay here. We can figure out everything else later. Harry bites his lip. I don't have any money, though. I can't pay rent or chip in for groceries. I... I don't want to take advantage of you, Louis. Maybe I like being taken advantage of, Louis pauses, makes a face. That came out way worse than I meant it. He laughs, though and so does Harry. He has a nice laugh, Louis thinks to himself. Listen, I know all that, and that's okay. We'll figure something out that works for us. His optimism might border on naivety at this point, but he doesn't care. This feels like the right thing to do. I'm all right money-wise if I caught back on ordering food. I could cook, Harry offers. I'm a pretty good cook. There you go, Louis smiles. Though I wouldn't want you to feel like you had to, like, earn your keep or something. But if I get to come back from work to a homemade dinner, I'm not complaining. He's getting a bit older, and he just doesn't feel the same as he used to when he was a teenager, surviving on burgers and Red Bull. It's different now, and too much greasy food makes him feel sluggish. Harry nods. I can do that. And, like, I can do laundry, do the dishes. Louis narrows his eyes, but Harry doesn't seem eager because he wants to make up for being allowed to stay here. He actually seems genuinely pleased at the thought of getting to do something. And he figures he can understand that, because not having anything to fill your day with was exhausting. You're a bit of a homemaker, aren't you? He teases, and Harry flushes a bit. Like I said, I won't say no. But you're not a maid, Harry. You'll just be my roommate, he pauses and maybe, hopefully, my friend. Harry smiles back at him. I'd like that. It only takes them two trips down to Harry's car to grab all of his belongings. His stuff barely even takes up any space in the bedroom that Louis had quickly cleared out, but Harry seems so happy to have a space that's all his that Louis doesn't even get the chance to feel upset over how little it takes to make him smile. When Louis hands him his spare key, he makes some stupid joke about how at least now Harry will be free to leave whenever he wants. In the end, Harry never leaves. In time, they do end up moving his stuff, though. Some of it goes into the garage, the rest of it. His clothes and a couple picture frames, his favorite books, goes into Louis' bedroom. Harry no longer has his own bed. Now he only has half of one, but when Louis teases him about it, About giving up his space when it had been something he'd felt so thrilled at finally having, Harry just pins him to the bed and shuts him up with a kiss. When COVID is over, they go out and meet each other's family. They go to bars with friends and share overly sweet popcorn at the movie theaters. But at the end of the night, there's no place that feels quite as wonderful as home. Even when Louis never becomes the neatest person and Harry sometimes playfully grumbles about cleaning up after him. Louis teases him about it, always enjoys reminding him of the maid uniform he'd bought him as a joke, and Harry always goes pink at the mention, but it's all in good fun, and Louis isn't nearly as much of a slob when he's happy, and god is he happy these days. Harry really does have issues picking Netflix shows, and he really does wake up in the middle of the night and bake cookies, but Louis learns to live with it, just sleepily pets a shoulder and goes back to sleep, or tries to at least. But more often than not, he'll find himself bleary-eyed in their kitchen, watching Harry cook and offering slow-voiced praise at everything he's offered to try. Harry ends up opening his own bakery, and Louis hates the early mornings, but not nearly as much as he loves seeing Harry so excited to get to work, even at four in the morning. He doesn't tell him how the bed feels too big and too empty once Harry's left for work, how he barely ever falls back asleep when his own alarm doesn't go off until three hours later. It makes him too sleepy sometimes, but he doesn't care, because even when sleep-deprived, he's never been as happy as he is now. He's got a job, he's got a boyfriend, an apartment, wonderful friends. And Harry, his lovely, beautiful Harry, is what makes his apartment feel like home again. Hi, I'm Emu, and today I'll be reading Floating in a Most Peculiar
0: Way by We Are the Same. It's rated teen and up and is 1,118 words. The pairing is Zayn Malik and Liam Payne, and the tags are Alternate Universe Coffee Shop and Cafe, Fanfic Trope Mashup, Barista Zayn, Astronaut Liam, Short and Sweet, Thicklet, Fluff. The summary is as follows. It's been four months since he last saw him. The coffee shop Space AU that I never expected to write. It's been four months since he last saw him, the stranger that used to come into the coffee shop every afternoon like clockwork. Zane really shouldn't worry so much because he's not the boss of him, the handsome stranger doesn't owe him anything. It's just, he'd kind of gotten used to seeing him around is all, and the way he'd smile at him sometimes always made him feel special. But maybe he isn't special, and maybe he's just creepy instead and the stranger has stopped coming in because Zane's been staring a little bit too much. He hasn't come in during any of his co-worker's shifts either though, so maybe it's not that. Maybe something's wrong. Maybe Handsome Stranger is dead, and god, why isn't Louis here to talk him down from these moods? Zane is busy in the back when the doorbell rings, and it's not until Niall appears at his side, grinning that easy grin of his that can mean nothing and everything at the same time, that he gets distracted from his thoughts, just in time for Niall to give him a cheeky grin. There's someone here who insisted that you were the one to serve them. Zane sighs, straightening his back and rubbing at the tense muscles just above the dip in his spine. Lemme guess, he mumbles, another fifteen-year-old who's going to slide me her number on a napkin while her friends giggle in the back. He loves working here, honestly, but for some reason a lot of teenage girls come in, and their laughter sometimes gets on his nerves. Are you sure you can't get rid of them, Nye? Niall smirks. Sorry, mate, the customer comes first and all. Just go out there and paste on a smile, will you? You're going to scare away all the regulars if you go out there scowling like that. Zane sighs again, hoping it'll tempt Niall into a cuddle, but the other man just steps back to make room for him, and Zane reluctantly paces on his best customer service smile, reminding himself that it's just another hour and a half before he gets to go home. His smile fades when he sees who's in front of the counter, nervously shifting his weight from one foot to the other. He's got his hands clenched into a fist and Zane suddenly feels nervous butterflies in his stomach, even as the smile that slides onto his face is a lot more genuine this time. Liam! It's almost breathless. Hi! He wills his knees to not buckle as he slips behind the counter, his hands braced on the surface to keep him upright. Haven't seen you in a while. Liam's smile is tight, but there's a warmth in his eyes that makes him feel all kinds of gooey inside, like a chocolate lava cake fresh out of the oven. Zane, he says, and his name's never sounded sweeter. Hi. Zane hopes that his smile isn't too bright, but he can't keep his features in check, so he glances down at the counter, at where his hands have absently reached out to a cloth to wipe over an already clean surface. What can I get started for you, he asks, because if he doesn't ask that, then he'll ask, where have you been? And he's reasonably sure that's not a question he's allowed to ask. Um, Liam peers at the board behind him, at the specials that Zane has painstakingly written down this morning, the little drawings that his regulars love so much. The, uh, galaxy frappe sounds pretty cool, I guess. Zane arches an eyebrow. It's not a drink that he expected Liam to go for, but, he thinks with a pang, maybe Liam's not picking up a drink for himself. Maybe he's trying to impress someone. Okay, he says easily, punching it into the register. Anything else? His voice change has been subtle, but not subtle enough apparently, because suddenly Liam's eyes are on him again, and they're concerned now, a little worried. Zane finds that he wants to reach out and smooth away the lines around them. He keeps his hands firmly by his side. No? It sounds almost like a question, and Liam shifts his weight again. Or, well, actually, yeah. Zane waits for him to continue, watching Liam's face as it goes through a few rapid changes in expression a slight blush deepening the color of his skin. I, uh, don't know if you knew this, but I'm kind of an astronaut? He furrows his brows. Not kind of. I am one. And while I was sort of in space, the past few months? He pauses. Fuck, I thought I'd be smoother about this. I thought I could just work it into the conversation if I ordered the galaxy frappe. But you still get me all jumbled up. He sighs. Anyway, so here's the thing. Zane watches as he lifts his clenched hand. Places a rock onto the counter. He blinks at it. Then at Liam, whose brow is still furrowed and who looks rather expectant. I... thanks? It's a rock, Liam clarifies, as though Zane hadn't noticed that. From a... space. It's a space rock. He brushes a hand through his hair, and Zane is surprised to see it shaking. It's a space rock, because while I was out there, I couldn't stop thinking about you, and I thought... Liam frowns again, those bushy eyebrows knitting together. Zane is surprised he hadn't melted into a puddle yet. God, why is this so hard? What was I thinking? Hello, here's a space rock. Will you go out with me? What kind of a line is that? Zane bites down on his bottom lip, tries not to smile, lest Liam get the wrong impression. It's an original one, he says softly. I'll give you that. He wipes his hands on his apron, but they're still sweaty and slightly shaking. I, uh, have a break coming up in a few minutes. He's fairly sure that he doesn't, but he's also fairly sure that Nile will cover for him. If you wanted to wait... I could make you a drink you'd actually like, and you could tell me all about space? I'd like that, Liam smiles at him, tension fading from his face, and Zane glances at the rock on the counter, the one that Liam brought him from space, because he couldn't stop thinking about him. He'd pinch himself to make sure he isn't dreaming, but he doesn't think he'd come up with a scenario quite like this if he did. Okay, he says softly, smiles as he pockets the rock. Me too.
2: Hi, I'm Seuss, and today I'll be reading Darling Just Dive Right In by We underscore R underscore The underscore Same. It's rated teen and up audiences and was written for the wordplay prompt 5.3 Divide. The pairing is Zane Malik and Louis Tomlinson, and the tags include alternate universe royalty, access to lovers, angst, reconciliation, childhood friends, childhood sweethearts, heartbreak, arranged marriage, angst with a happy ending. And pining. The summary reads Louis can't think of a worse place to be than at the Malick Estate attending his ex boyfriend's wedding. A wedding at the Malick Estate. Louis can't think of a worse way to spend his weekend. There used to be a time when he'd love nothing more than to go over there, a time when just the thought of getting to see Zane's smile was enough to bring a smile to his own face. That was then, back when he was a teenager. Back when protocol and tradition hadn't meant much in the face of endless summers and promises. Back when he could press his fingers into Zane's hip and leave marks that said mine, and Zane let him believe that was true. Of course, Louis hadn't actually believed that. Even as a teenager, he'd known better, because even as a teenager, he'd known about Zane's bride-to-be, the girl he was promised to, because their match would benefit everyone. Everyone except for Louis, and possibly Zane, though Zane had never really said anything on the matter. He changed the subject whenever Louis brought it up, and at some point Louis had stopped bringing it up because it wasn't worth the icy discomfort between them. The way Zane would freeze him out would only thaw when Louis kissed I'm Sorry into his skin until that one winter. Zane had just turned 18, and Louis had teased him endlessly about how he was finally an adult because, of course, Louis had turned 18 over a year ago, and he liked riling Zane up even when half of the time Zane would only roll his eyes at him and pull him in for another kiss. To shut him up, he'd say but the way his tongue pressed eagerly into Louis's mouth always made it clear that that was a lie. But things had changed when Zane had turned 18, and Louis had been too naive to see it coming, too sure that their friendship, their connection, counted for something, that it'd be enough to prompt Zane to stand up to his parents, or maybe not even that. Maybe just that Louis's love for Zane allowed him to love himself enough to want to live a genuine life. But Zane had chosen his parents, his bride. Louis is honestly surprised that it's taken this long. Their fight, that one last bitter confrontation between them where Louis said things that he shouldn't have and Zane let him because he felt like he deserved it, which only served to add fuel to Louis's fire, was over four years ago. Zane isn't 18 anymore, and Louis is pushing 24 by now, only a few months away from almost being in his mid-20s. He's the one that should be married at this point, but he's never allowed himself to fall for anyone the way he's fallen for Zane and so it sadly makes sense that he's due to attend Zane's wedding in a matter of weeks. His sister had been gentle about it, but while he appreciates her approach, Louis hadn't bothered to find out the details aside from the date and that his presence is expected. It makes sense. Their their families had always gotten along well, and it's the kind of thing you do in noble circles, even if you don't get along well. All the same, he doesn't need more information than a time and a date, he doesn't need to make this any harder on himself than it needs to be, which is kind of sad probably because it's been four years and Louis really has no right to still be jealous of a girl he's known was going to marry Zane from the time that he was 11. But his jealousy is all he has left ever since Zane has pulled away from him and it's the one connection that Louis can't quite make himself sever. He wasn't going to bother with a plus one, not when he knew it'd be in bad taste to invite a man as a state, would only stir the rumors that had been buried during their breakup. He'd not felt up to courting anyone, or even formally inviting one of his acquaintances, but in the end he finds that he doesn't have to. Because Perry, one of Zane's oldest friends, calls him up the day before the wedding and assigns herself as his plus one. All Louis can think is how terribly obvious it must be that his hurt still stings four years later, but Perry doesn't say anything about more the wedding, and Louis gratefully accepts her offer. So it happens that he arrives at the Malick estate with a pretty blonde in a pretty lavender dress on his arm and his heart sinking into his shoes. Everywhere around him, people are chatting away happily, smiles on their faces, and even the occasional weepy tear. Louis can't help but wonder what Zane's feeling right now. If he's alone or surrounded by groomsmen, if he wishes Louis was there, or if he hasn't spared him a thought in years. He wonders if he feels alone no matter how many people are with him if he feels stifled the way that Louis does, to the point where he wants to loosen his tie in the vain hope that it'll help him breathe. His knees are a bit weak, but Perry holds him steady, pats his wrist as they make their way into the venue, find their assigned seats. There are only a few rows back from the family, and Louis wishes that they were further back, far enough away so that he wouldn't have to see Zane's face and try to gauge whether or not his expression was genuine. He wonders if he'd even know the difference these days curses himself for forgetting the small bottle of whiskey that was meant to soothe his nerves, or perhaps just numb his heartache. Perry's still holding on to his arm, and he smiles at her as the chairs around them all fill up, wishing that he wouldn't feel as though the dark hole inside his heart is growing to a point where it threatens to swallow him whole. He focuses on her voice, sweet like spring, at least in public, because she too has been groomed to never show her real personality but he doesn't even register the words over the ringing in his ears, the desperate way that his heart is beating. I can't do this, he thinks, and of course, that's when the bridal march starts to play. Everyone turns in their seats to watch the beautiful bride as she walks down the aisle, but Louis can't make himself watch her. Instead, he finally turns to watch Zane, who he had seen standing up by the groomsmen from the moment they walked in but he couldn't make himself look at the expression on his face so soft and lovely that it makes his heart ache. At least that answers his question, unless Zane has become a much better actor than he'd been in his youth when Louis had been able to read every minute detail off of his face. When his face had been slack with pleasure, Louis's clumsy hands turning strong and sure even when Zane was too shy to be very vocal, Louis shakes his head, trying to dispel the thought his eyes only catching sight of the bride once she's a few steps away from her husband-to-be. He frowns, blinks. Why is Walia in a wedding dress? He only barely manages to whisper the words, hysteria curving around the name of Zane's younger sister. Perry blinks her long lashes at him, arches one perfect eyebrow. Because she's getting married? That ringing in his ears is back, and Louis shakes his head, glances towards the front, where Zane has stepped back, in favor of another man who is holding onto Walia's hands and looking like there's no place on earth he'd rather be. It's honestly sweet enough to almost calm him down, but his heart is still racing fast enough that he's not sure he won't end up having a panic attack. But, Zane? Perry blinks again, her mouth curving up into a little smile before she thinks better of it, changes it into something more understanding. You thought she whispers and louis knows that they shouldn't talk right now doesn't want to run the risk of ruining the wedding but there's something inside of his chest that almost begs him to scream he just nods instead finds himself teary-eyed and perry takes his hand in hers gives it a small sque- a soft squeeze she turns her attention to the front and louis does the same but he hopes the bride will forgive him if he stares at her brother for most of the ceremony There's a lightness in his chest that he hasn't felt in years, and even though he should know better, even though he knows that this doesn't change anything and that they're still as estranged as anything, Louis can't help but feel a little relieved at this day of execution. At least he didn't have to watch Zane get married yet. At least there's still a little hope. He finds this hope at the bottom of the bottle, knows better than to get indecently drunk, but he's at least halfway there, escaping into the rose garden for some fresh air. It used to be his favorite place to be growing up. He remembers Zane's mother teaching him how to tend to the plants, waving away the gardener when he tried to help. He remembers chasing Zane and Wally through the paths and into the maze, he remembers their laughs and the ways that his chest would just fill up with a happiness that almost threatened to make him burst. He remembers making it to the middle of the maze, finding Zane there with a the picnic basket and a blanket with a shy look on his face. They were sixteen, maybe, at the time but under the stars, he felt like they were infinite. He doesn't set out with a particular destination in mind, just wants to be outside and smell the roses, but his feet carry him to a familiar spot nonetheless. It's a little bench tucked just outside of view, a large rose arch offering some protection from the elements. It's the bench that Louis and Zane used to smoke at, quick drags and wide eyes, always looking out for any employees that might rat them out to Zane's mother. Louis has no such qualms anymore, now that he's in his mid-twenties, but it still feels a little bit like breaking the law when he lights a cigarette on his brief stroll towards the bench. Smoking will kill you, you know. A voice calls out to him, and Louis looks up, only to see another ember light up in the muted darkness. You should stop doing it, then, he shoots back, coming to stand in front of the man he had sworn he hated, his toes scuffing at the gravel. Hi, Zany. Zane rolls his eyes. Please, no one calls me that anymore. There's the start of a smile on his face, though, one that reaches his eyes even when Zane perhaps doesn't intend for it to. Hi, Louis. Fancy seeing you here. Zane takes a drag from his cigarette, takes in the man sat on the bench, his collar a little ruffled, not looking quite as pristine as he'd looked at the ceremony. Louis hadn't allowed himself to pay too much attention to him as the day went on, but he's pleased to find that there's no lipstick on his collar, no immediate sign of Zane's fiancée. Zane leans back, arching an eyebrow. "'It sort of is my house,' he deadpans, and Louis is the one rolling his eyes now. "'You know what I mean,' he says, and then, because he's a dumbass and he apparently can't hold his tongue, he gives him a sheepish sort of smile and shrugs. "'Thought you'd be inside, playing happy family. Figured.' His voice breaks a little bit, and he can see the slight frown on Zane's face, but he continues on, fueled by alcohol and the high of getting to talk to him for the first time in years." Thought this was going to be the day I finally had to say goodbye to you. Even in the relative dim of the night, Louis can see Zane swallow. Can almost hear it, too. The bob of his Adam's apple. Lou. It's quiet, and Louis shakes his head, knows that whatever Zane will have to say, it will likely only make matters worse. It's alright, he whispers, dropping his cigarette when the embers nearly scorches his skin. Ow, fuck. He blows on his finger, wondering why it is that he still feels like a high school boy next to Zane. I know what you're going to say. You said goodbye to me years ago. I get it. I'm not delusional. I haven't been waiting for you for four years, wondering if you'd ever regret your choice. Wondering if you ever even thought of me. Zane's silence is loud, and Louis almost wonders if it will make his ears pop, because it feels like there's so much pressure surrounding them. So many unsaid words weighing down the air around him until it feels stifling to breathe. I did, Zane says quietly and Louis knows better than to think that he means, think of you, miss you. He looks up at Louis, and Louis has never learned not to drown in those eyes, in the softness that Zane always seems to save just for him. He glances away, fidgets with his pack of cigarettes, about to fumble for another when Zane gets to his feet and takes hold of his hand. I did regret making the choice I did. Louis's hand goes lax, his fingers just aimlessly hovering until he can make his muscles work again, uses them to slightly turn his hand, enough to brush his fingertips over the side of Zane's wrist. You did? Zane hums something that's possibly meant to be affirmative, and Louis checks his hand, finds that there are no rings there. Not that he thought Zane would have gotten married in secret, even if that was Zane's preference. It's not something that his family would have let him get away with, but it's still something that piques his curiosity. Not his hope, though. He knows better, even if he has been chasing his hope in alcohol tonight. I did, Zane whispers, and Louis resists the urge to check his pulse like he would somehow be able to tell if Zane was telling him the truth. There used to be a time when he'd thought Zane would never lie to him, because they'd both know it was useless, and Louis would always be able to discern the truth. But times have changed. They have changed, and Louis is floundering. I do. It's crazy how those two words prompt an almost hysterical laugh that Louis can't make himself swallow down. Thought I'd dread hearing those words today, he whispers, a laugh struck in, stuck in his throat that makes the words come out a little breathy. God, Zane, I wanted to be happy for you so badly. I wanted to be here and support you because I always promised you I would be, but seeing you standing there, thinking that I'd have to watch you get married. You didn't read the invitation, did you? Zane's not mocking him. Sounds gentle. Like he knows exactly why Louis hadn't. Why he hadn't been able to make himself look or even think about anything that had to do with the wedding. I didn't want anything to do with it. And yet you came. Louis suppresses a smile. You know how my family can get. He knows that's not the complete truth, though. Knows that Zane knows it, too. I had to. I had to finally lay this part of my life to rest. I know. I've known for four years that it was over, but... I think I needed to see it actually happen. I thought, maybe in some weird masochistic way, it would actually help. I was hoping I'd see you up there, and you'd be happy. Zane, still holding onto his hand, uses it to pull him closer now, a quiet strength that so many underestimated. I'd never have been happy marrying her, he whispers. Well, considering that's your sister, I'd say that's a good thing. Louis has never been good with being vulnerable, not when his last great vulnerable moment ended in him still picking up the pieces of his heart four years later. But Zane knows him well enough that he only rolls his eyes and gently pinches Louis's side with his free hand. He traps the other one against his chest, and Louis knows that he can't feel his heart beat through several layers of clothing, but that doesn't stop him from trying. You know what I mean, idiot. From Zane's lips, the word sounds like an endearment. A caress almost, and Louis shivers, bites his lip to keep from saying anything else, something that will make Zane actually upset with him, because Zane has infinite patience when it comes to Louis' defense mechanisms, but he'll never fail to call Louis out. I know, Louis whispers, when he swallowed down everything else he could say, allowing himself to exist in this intimacy, this scary moment where he's ready to risk it all again, even if he knows the damage it could do. He looks up at Zane, who is close enough that he can see the different colored specks in his eyes. It makes him frown. Actually, he breathes out shakily, I'm not sure I do. Are you not- Did you go back on your promise to marry her? Last he'd heard, they were still together. Of course, last he'd heard was from some gossiping old auntie at a ball, and he'd ignored everything else she'd said because he didn't want to hear anything about Zane, even if his ears continued to prick up at every mention of him. Sort of. Zane says. Technically, we're still engaged, at least as far as the public is aware. He must be able to tell that Louis wants to pull away because his grip on his hand tightens and there is something desperate in his eyes. She wants to finish her education before settling down, and I'm... He breathes in, holding the air in his lungs for so long that Louis almost worries for him. Zane finally exhales with a loud, almost painful sigh. I'm gay. It's instant, the tears in Louis's eyes. The way his fingers are starting to shake and he just wants to grab onto Zane's lapels and maybe wrap him up in a hug because, yes, Zane is gay. Zane's always been gay. But this is the first time that he's actually heard him say it out loud. Do your parents know? He whispers before giving in to the impulse and pulling him into a hug, one that Zane succumbs to easily. Their bodies still fit together like two puzzle pieces, hard edges and softness making them the perfect fit. Zane's nose finds the part of Louis's neck where his scent is strongest, and Louis always teased him about it, about his need to be wrapped up in Louis's scent, but right now it just makes him want to cry that little bit more. Yeah, Zane whispers, his breath fanning out over Louis's skin. I told them, maybe a few months after we... after. His hands are steady but tight on Louis's waist, as though he's afraid to fully hold on to him when that's everything Louis has been wanting for years. I kind of had to. They didn't understand what had happened. Why you stopped coming around. Why every time they brought up my future, I would all but run away. Four years. Zane had told his parents four years ago. Louis closes his eyes, tight enough to stop any tears from passing through his lashes. Why didn't you call me? He says in a low voice, the lump in his throat making it impossible to speak any louder. I would have... I could have at least been there for you, Zee. Zane makes a soft sound. After what I did, after how it ended, I couldn't, Lou. Louis pulls away enough to look at Zane. You know I didn't mean those things, right? You know that it was never... You were supposed to know that, Zaney. You were supposed to know that whatever else, I was still going to be there for you when you needed me. Zane nods, framing Louie's face with his hands. I did. I always did. You were always so good to me. I just couldn't hurt you any worse than I already had, Lou. I didn't... I I wasn't sure what would happen if they'd be okay with me. I didn't want you to have to comfort me when I was the one who broke you in the first place. I would have, Louie says miserably, without a second thought. Zane nods again. I know. He brushes his fingertips over Louie's eyebrow, a small, melancholic smile on his face. I was just scared of what it would mean, of what could happen. I wasn't ready, Lou. I didn't want to have to pave the way for anyone. I just wanted to have people love me. Louis swallows. And now, he whispers, afraid to have his question answered, but even more afraid to never ask, to let this moment pass them by and slip through his fingers, to add another regret onto the ones he already had when it came to Zane. There's a small furrow to Zane's brow, One that Louis wants to stroke away, but his fingers are still trembling too much to do anything but hold on to him, keep him from slipping away any way that he can. I could never ask, Zane starts, and Louis shakes his head. You aren't. He has finally found the conviction in his voice, the tenacity that people either complimented or berated him for. I'm offering. There are tears in Zane's eyes now, too, Louis can tell, even when his own vision is slightly blurry. Louis, he starts and Louis wants to shake him or kiss him because he sounds so unsure, so hesitant, and his voice is about to give out. Do you not want to? He struggles to keep the hurt from his voice, but he's trying, knows that Zane knows, also knows that he's failed. Because that's all right. It's, I've spent four years without you. I'm not, I would like us to at least be friends again, if that's something you could see for us. But it's all that we'll ever be. Then I can be okay for that, he swallows. And if all this can be his closure, then that's all right. If all you needed to hear from me was that I forgave you, and that I only think of you fondly, then then that would be a lie, Zane whispers. And Louis almost laughs, because four years in, Zane still knows him better than anyone. It's kind of sad, really, even more so because Louis is happy about it not entirely. He smiles a small smile. I do forgive you. I think I've forgiven you years ago. Maybe as soon as it happened, because I understood. And part of me admired you for it. I could never be as selfless as you. I could never put my family's happiness above my own. And I do think of you fondly, even if you broke my heart. Would you still think of me fondly if I did it again? Zane asks. And, oh. Louis isn't sure his smile isn't wobbly. Are you planning to? He shifts minutely, a small step away from Zane, his fingers immediately lamenting the loss of contact. Yes, I would. For all the love I held for you as a teenager, and all the admiration I hold for you now, I like to think that I would. Because I'm sure you'd have your reasons. I'm sure it wouldn't be that I'm not who you want, that I'm not the kind of prospect you can see yourself with. Zane shakes his head, his hands almost desperate when they reach for Louis's face again, cupping his jaw. There's nothing tender about the fingertips on his skin now. It's almost bruising the way he holds on to him. It wouldn't be. It'd never... You were... Everything, Lou. If there's anything I regret, it's making you feel as though you weren't worth choosing. As though you weren't... I could see myself with you. So easily. And that was terrifying. He releases a breath, makes a move as though he wants to step away again, possibly apologize for the way he'd grabbed hold of him. But Louie stops him doesn't even think about it as he takes hold of Zane's hand, tangles their fingers. I could see myself with you too, he swallows. Maybe it's stupid, but I still can. I know it's been four years. I know that I'm different and you're different too, but I'd like to think that the way we changed hasn't changed us. At the core of who we are, I still love you. As I love you, Zane whispers, and Louis wishes he could be allowed to revel in that. In those words and the feeling that he knows lies behind it. Zane doesn't love easily, doesn't have many friends or people he's close to. He likes to keep his cards close to his chest, prefers to leave things unsaid, but Louis knows that this can't be one of those times. Then what is stopping you? He murmurs, his free hand coming up to Zane's jaw now, and he savors the small intake of breath as he ghosts his fingers over his cheekbone, lets them wander down the slope of his nose. I'm afraid. Zane finally manages, his face turning into Louis's hand to press a soft kiss into his palm. It's like he's hardly aware of it, of the way he's all but nuzzling into his touch. Of what love? The endearment has Zane trembling a bit, and Louis takes a step closer, his body still drawn to him just as much as his mind and heart are. He knows that he should let Zane speak, knows that he shouldn't press him, but he also knows that Zane's brain works better when he's wrapped up in the arms of someone that loves him, or at least that's how it used to be. Louis is glad to find that it still is, because Zane doesn't just allow him closer, he actually presses into him, letting out a shivery sigh when Louis wraps his arms around him again. I'm afraid I'll hurt you, he whispers, his chin hooked over Louis's shoulder, his arms around his waist. I'm afraid that what we had was a teenage romance. And that over the years we've made it out to be more than it was. I'm afraid that it wasn't, that it was the real kind of deal and that we're not going to be able to get it back. I'm afraid that I'll fall so in love with you that I won't know what to do with myself. I'm just, I'm afraid, Lou. Louis swallows, wishing he could lay all those fears to rest, wishing that he had the right words, the right way to prove to Zane, that he had nothing to worry about. That's okay, he says quietly, ignoring the small derisive huff Zane gives in response to his words. You can be afraid. I'm afraid too. But you know what else I'm afraid of? What? I'm afraid that I'll never get to love you the way you deserve. I'm afraid that I'll never be as happy with anyone else. I'm afraid that we don't try, and we walk away from the best thing that could have ever happened to us. I'm more afraid of what would happen if we don't try than of what could happen if we do. He knows that Zane likes to hide, but it's important that he believes him, so he pulls away just enough to see Zane's eyes, just enough to cup his cheek with his hand. I see my future in your eyes, he whispers nonsensically, because it's not what he'd planned to say, but it's so true. He can see everything in Zane's eyes. The hope, the fear, the pain, the love. I meant what I said. I will be your friend if that's what you want. I will say goodbye tonight if that's easier on you. I'd hope you'd grant me a final kiss before I go, even if that's going to break my heart all over again. But at the end of the day, Zane, all I want is for you to do what feels right. He smiles a little, but in case it hasn't been made clear, I love you. I've loved you for a long time now, and I think I might keep on loving you for the rest of my life. And I think that if you could, if you just hold my hand, then we'll be all right this time. It's not going to be easy, Zane says quietly. My family is all right with it, but it's taken them years. My extended family, the families they are friendly with, the public, they're all going to have an opinion about this, about us. Louis shrugs a shoulder. Let them, he says, with a bravery he doesn't feel, but that feels sincere nonetheless. I'm not going to say I don't care about other people's opinions, because of course I do. I'm human. No one likes to be hated, especially not for something they can't change about themselves. But at the end of the day, love, the only one who gets to decide what I live, what life I live, is me. And I know what I want. I've known from an early age on that I would never have a traditional family. And that's okay. Because a family, all a family is, is people who choose to love one another. And that love shouldn't be confined to only a certain shape or certain people. So if people want to be mad at me for something as beautiful as love, then let them. He gives Zane a small smile. I'm never going to change. The amount of shit that I'd get for being with you isn't all that different from the amount of shit I'd get over being with someone else. So at the end of the day, I'd much rather have you. Zane glances away and Louis lets him, just brushes his thumb over the soft skin underneath his eyes to sweep away a wayward tear. I'm not sure I'm as brave as that, he admits, and Louis's heart aches. It's not bravery as much as it's desperation, he whispers. At the end of the day, I can't bear the thought of not giving this a try, if that's what we both want. Of course it is. Zane sounds almost incredulous, but when he meets Louis's eyes, the expression in his own softens. You're right, he breathes, even though Louis hasn't said anything. I should have said that. It is what I want. You are who I want. You've been who I wanted since I was too young to know what it meant, but I do know what it means now. I know what people will say, and I want to be like you. I want to just not care about it, because if I love you, isn't that what I should think? How can I say that I love you and then still be so worried? Louis shakes his head. That's not a fair thing to ask of yourself, see? It's not... You can't help thinking those things, and you shouldn't. I don't want you to ignore your thoughts and feelings just because you think I won't want to hear them. I just, I want you to let me help you, all right? We can fight together, and if we find out down the line that it's too much, or that you don't feel like it's worth it anymore, then we can deal with that too. Is that, can I ask for that? For what? Zane whispers, looking up at him. Louis gives him a small smile. For a chance. He pauses hears small snippets of music coming from an open window just a few meters away. Dance with me. Zane blinks. What? Louie's smile grows a bit. Dance with me. Just us. Just right here. I'm okay with not going inside, with not being on the dance floor with you. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, Zane. We can start slow, with a dance. Just you and me, right here, barefoot on the grass. Zane arches an eyebrow. You're an idiot, he says, but just like before it sounds like an endearment, and just like before he only presses closer to Louis. His fingers shift to take hold of Louis's hand, and Louis's other hand comes to rest on Zane's waist. I am Louis shrugs, careful not to dislodge the hand that Zane has placed on his shoulder, but lucky you, I'm your idiot. It's still a bit questioning, but Louis doesn't want to press he wants to take this at Zane's pace, even if it will kill him. Zane smiles at that, and it's the kind of smile where his tongue presses to the back of his teeth, the smile that Louis has adored from the first time they met, the smile that's always promised good things. Yeah, he whispers, something joyous and tender in his expression, and Louis is relieved to see that the small, semi-transparent layer of fear in his eyes is diminishing by the second, is being replaced by something hopeful and warm, Zane's hands more sure on Louis's body now. As he pulls him in, takes the lead in their dance like he's done it a million times. Lucky me. Fiend.
0: This was a very special birthday episode for Mia. You can find all the fics you read today and many more on her AO3, We Are the Same, with underscores between each word. You can also follow her on Tumblr at So Why Let Your Voice Be Tamed, with dashes between each word. If you want to find any of our posts, you can find us on Tumblr as well at podfic pals.tumblr.com. You can also listen to our other episodes on Anchor through anchor.fm forward slash podfic-pals. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and until next time.